And a lot of people heard terms um, of, that they weren't familiar with, like Israel's Iron Dome defense system. What is the Iron Dome? People were talking about how long can the Iron Dome hold out? Will it give out? And then what happens? Are they sitting ducks from the north? I think they realized over the weekend with the slaughter that they really did not have um, the defenses, the average person that they thought they had um, with Hamas being able to break through fences and mow down innocent civilians. So how does the Iron Dome defense system work? Here to talk about it, Rob Hubert, professor of political science at the University of Calgary and one of the country's leading experts on Arctic defense. And you might think, well, why are you talking to somebody who's an expert on Arctic defense? That's because we have our very own Iron Dome that was modeled off of Israel's Iron Dome defense system here in Canada in the north. Robert, thanks so much for joining us. Always my pleasure. So let's uh, walk, walk through this. What exactly is the Iron Dome defense system? How does it work? Well, the Iron Dome is really building on some American technology. It's basically anti-missile capability from, um, well, the Patriot system that uh, originally the Americans provided to the Israelis. But the Israelis have gone above and beyond. And it's designed to take out aerospace threats. And in the case of Israel, it's to take out these rockets that have become an ongoing fact of life for, for almost any Israeli. And by all accounts, it's become a very effective system against missiles. So basically, it uses radar to detect an incoming rocket, and then what happens? Well, it has a series of different types of radar. It has radar, it has other, we think it has other type of tracking systems that are also associated. So it's all about having a multi-layer tracking capability. Once you then get tracked, these these anti-missiles are fired, which are then able to intercept the incoming missiles and stop them from arriving. And again, the Israelis, by all open literature, seem to have had an amazing success in that capability. Because remember, you're talking about shooting down a bullet with a bullet um, when you're talking about the speeds and the, the type of capabilities that are being directed at them on a multiple basis. And we understand that thousands of rockets have rained down on Israel over the, the past three days. And so uh, it's my understanding as well that this defense system is it's incredibly smart because well it what it does is it tries to figure out the trajectory of the incoming missile that it locates on radar and from there it determines if it's going to fall into a populated area or is it going to fall out to the sea is it going to hit an area that's not populated and if that's the case it lets those ones go and it focuses on the ones that'll hit a populated area Absolutely. I mean, we're learning also from our observations on the Russian invasion of Ukraine is that munitions are very finite. And so for Israel, of course, you want to make sure that you are defending against anything that is going to threaten the population, but that you're not wasting your munitions when that's occurring. And that's where that function of being able to, I mean, they're using elements of artificial intelligence, they're using all sorts of advanced, the most advanced um, technologies to do so. But you want to be able to, to, to respond to the thousands of missiles that are being fired, but you don't have any room for wasting any munitions. So let the ones go into the oceans that are going to the oceans. And I understand that Canada bought one of these uh, Iron Dome radar systems uh, back in 2015. 
I'm guessing well, we haven't had to use it. So what are we doing with it? Well, them? you know, and that's even, you know, we've been talking about advancing. We had, of course, when, when Iran was the Minister of Defense, we had a series of announcements in terms of northern defensive capabilities, including the type of anti-missile system that is being talked about or that the Israelis have. We haven't deployed anything. And in fact, with the most recent announcements made by by Blair, that there are in fact this $1 billion cuts, nobody knows where we where we stand right now and, and if we have any form of deployment coming forward. You know, I am one of those people that like to uh, look at things that happen and then figure out how it's going to affect other areas of, you know, if it's a personal thing, my life. But uh, globally, if it'll affect other things, I was thinking about the North when I heard about uh, Israel being invaded and how you have basically said, look, we're sitting ducks right now. We have to shore things up in the North here. Um, what are the odds that, and it, and this is a weird thing to bring up, but what are the odds that Russia would use what's going on in the Middle East, a uh, major distraction as the world looks there, to do something that could actually hinder our own freedom? Well, it's probably not too much of a problem in the immediate time period. In other words, the Russians have their hands full with, uh, with Ukraine. And I, I, I try, you know, with others, we're all trying to game out what would the Russians do to take advantage of this. But your point is still dead on in the medium and longer term, because the big fear, and we've heard this from the commander, retired commander of NORAD, uh, General Van Herc, uh, an American, we can't, we currently don't have the ability in the north to defend against Amer- uh, Russian hypersonic missiles. And so the type of missiles that the, uh, that the Israelis are facing, they're facing large numbers, but they're basically dumb missiles. In other words, you can't control where they're going makes it a little bit easier for intercepting. When we start talking about hypersonic and particularly some of the technology, the Avgard and other types of missiles that the Russians are said to have, um, then all of a sudden you've got one that are smaller in numbers but harder to shoot down. And we get back to this fact. Iran had said we were going to do this. A lot of announcements were made back in 2022 that we were going to do this, but it seems that we've sort of walked away from that and you don't do this when the war starts you don't Mm -hmm. you will not be able to just say hey we're going to go buy you know a a canadian canadianized um, iron dome it doesn't work that way and so that's the part that's you know your longer term scenario there is very worrying worrisome right especially how worrisome is it that the uh g7 there were five uh, countries that j- issued a joint statement from the White House on Monday. Leaders of France, Italy, Germany, United Kingdom, and the United States expressed support for Israel and condemned Hamas for its appalling acts of terrorism. How worrisome is it that Canada was not included? Because we are not meeting our NATO targets. We're kind of, you know, I, I think a lot of Canadians like to walk around thinking that, you know, we are the envy of the world. We're kind of in people's bad books right now. Well, even worse, we're in nobody's books. That, right. That's, that, that's the bigger problem. I mean, the big issue about not being included, were, did we ask to be included and got turned down? Japan also was not included on that. Um, or did, um, did we say that we didn't want to be included? If we said we didn't want to be included, then that's very worrisome, because despite the public appearances of support, if we're not willing to sign on to that, um, that's a problem. If we weren't asked to sign... 
there's another set of problems that, you know, there's been a number of op-eds uh, appearing all over how irrelevant Canadian foreign policy is seen by all of our international friends and allies. Right. And this could be an illustration of it. But once again, did we ask not to be included? And I'd say that's almost even more dangerous. Um, or did we simply not get asked? Are we that irrelevant now to our uh, to our big allies? And that's a big problem because we are depending on them to uh, defend us because we obviously are cutting back on our defense a billion dollars and we're, you know, not shoring up the north. It's a big problem. Israel seemed to be taken off guard by this attack. I mean, to put it lightly, they, they've overprepared for missiles and maybe uh, in some ways uh, did not prepare enough for ground attack. Should we worry about tunnel vision here? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because the big question is, how did Hamas mass the amount of ground forces that they did? Remember, they're terrorist organizations, albeit, you know, ably supported by the Iranians. Um, and that's all official Canadian position. We've actually agreed with that. Um, and so the question is, how did you mount that many individuals? Who were these fighters that poured through the Israeli borders? But it illustrates for Canada, you cannot predict what an enemy is going to do. Here's Israel facing such an existential threat. And, 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 and they did not anticipate the numbers of ground troops that Hamas was able to throw into it, or, or uh, the amount of ground terrorists that they were able to, to, to throw into this. And so for Canada to sit back and say, oh, you know, I'll listen to some of our political and military elites when they say there is no present threat. We don't have to worry. Let's just focus on forest fires, et cetera. Forest fires are important. I'm not downplaying that. But when you're talking about this type of security military threat, and we think in terms of what we're facing from the Russians and what we think we'll be facing from the Chinese, you don't have the latitude of saying, yeah, we can cut a billion dollars because, hey, there's a whole bunch of consultants and travel that we can cut. Um, that's just simply, you know, BS, to be honest. But, I mean, the fact we simply don't take it serious. I mean, that's the part that's so scary that this illustrates for us. Anything can happen at any time. Uh-huh. Rob, thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate your, your time. Always my pleasure.